Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Today on the Joseph Carlson Show, we're going to be looking at four different types of companies. Here's the list we have the cannibal, the cloner, the spawner, and the zombie. And I'll be giving you examples of real companies that fit into each of these categories. Now, we also have the stock market just going down again and again the entire month. The whole month has been in the red, and the latest trade down is because of more comments that Jerome Powell made. So we'll be looking at those comments. I'll be sharing my thoughts on them. And then at the end of this episode, we're going to be looking at Dave Portnoy's pizza review of Domino's Pizza. If you're not aware, I recently bought into Domino's Pizza. I own a pretty decent size holding of it. I have $19,000 of value currently in it. And so I'm kind of interested to see what Dave Portnoy thinks of this pizza. After all, he travels around the country, around the world, taste testing different pizzas. And we're going to look at his overall review and the score that he gives Domino's. So let's go ahead and jump right in. The first thing that I want to mention is something that I've mentioned before. This is a difficult market. We're going through a rate hike cycle, meaning the Fed is suggesting that they're going to raise rates over and over again. And every time the Fed mentions this type of stuff, saying that they're going to raise rates even more aggressively than previously anticipated, the stock market reacts negatively. For example, just yesterday, Jerome Powell said that taming inflation is, quote, absolutely essential. He also said that hiking interest rates by half a percentage point, opposed to the quarter percentage, is, quote, on the table. So even with just a suggestion that a 50 basis point hike is on the table, the market reacts more negatively. And that's what we're seeing in our portfolios. Just today, I'm down 1.4%. That's a pretty big hit on the day. That's $5,000. In the past one month, I'm down 3.83%. That's $13,700. Now, my portfolio is actually holding up pretty decent compared to the rest of the market. The S&P 500 over that past month is down 4.1%. And the QQQ, the tech heavy index, is down 7.63%. So... That one's been hit a bit harder. So even though the market's down at least temporarily and it looks like we're losing money, the truth is this leaves opportunities. Companies are becoming more attractively priced. When I look at different companies I want a dollar cost average into, I have a lot of different options. And I want to go over four different kinds of options. Here they are. We have the cannibal, the cloner, the spawner, and the zombie. These are four different categories of companies that all have very unique characteristics. The first one is the cannibal. And the cannibal typically is a very good company to invest in. Much like the definition of a cannibal, one who eats their own kind, cannibals in terms of investing are companies that eat away at their own share count. They do massive amounts of share buybacks. Now, share buybacks have become a controversial topic within politics. There's politicians like Elizabeth Warren that constantly label stock buybacks as nothing but paper manipulation, all for the gains of just the executives, and they don't benefit the company or the shareholder. Now, I do agree with Elizabeth Warren to some extent. I do think that there are examples, specific examples in history, of times that share buybacks have been used to manipulate stocks and to make it so that executives get big payouts. But having said that, outside of those specific examples, I think Elizabeth Warren is mostly wrong here. From what I've researched, 
In most cases, share buybacks are used at the benefit of the shareholder and the company. Let me go ahead and explain how that works. You see, on every single publicly traded company, like Salesforce, for example, there's a line item on the balance sheet of every quarterly report called Shares Outstanding. And what you can do is map out those quarterly reports, quarter over quarter, and see trends. If the Shares Outstanding number increases over time, That means that the company is simply issuing more shares. And in most cases, like in the case of Salesforce, that just means that it's a company that's still growing. So almost every single company that's in its early stages, that's still growing, is going to be diluting the shareholder. They're going to be issuing more and more shares. So that's not inherently a bad thing to be raising more shares. What this does is it dilutes the shareholder. It makes it so that your stake in the company is a smaller and smaller stake as time goes on. But overall, dilution and issuing more shares does serve an important purpose on growing a company and funding a company in its early stages. Now we have examples of different companies like AutoZone. These are mostly mature companies. In fact, they're very mature. They have very consistent and high amounts of free cash flow, and they don't really need to raise capital through issuing more shares. And what these companies do is the opposite of dilution, which is called buybacks. Simply put, they use their cash flow to buy their own stock, reducing their shares outstanding over time. And the reduction of shares outstanding over time means that you own a greater and greater percentage of the company. And the earnings of the company are divided by a smaller amount of shares. So that usually increases the earnings per share as well. So in the early stages of a company, when it's in growth mode, they almost always dilute the shareholder to raise capital. And once the company reaches scale and is successful and generating a lot of cash flow, they reduce the shares outstanding and buy back their own stock. And this is exactly the path that Apple has followed. Up until around 2013, Apple was issuing more and more shares diluting the shareholder. But then once they got to massive maturity, they got to massive scale and their cash flows went up dramatically, they started to buy back their own stock reducing the shares outstanding. If a company goes from a growth company to a mature high cash flow one, you'll see this same type of thing happen. And so what Elizabeth Warren here is suggesting is that share dilution is fine. There's no problem with issuing more and more shares diluting the shareholder. That's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes back to doing the opposite thing, buying back your own stock and increasing the equity stake of shareholders, That's morally wrong. That's just paper manipulation. When Apple was issuing more and more shares up until 2013, that was fine. They were diluting the shareholder. But as soon as they started to do the exact opposite and buy back their own stock, that is morally wrong and paper manipulation. So I see these statements. It's nothing more than manipulation as kind of political posturing from someone that relies on the fact that most people don't understand the mechanics of how stocks work. So having addressed that, outside of the mislabelings of dishonest politicians, there's nothing inherently wrong with share buybacks. There are examples in some specific cases where it's abused, but in the majority of cases, there's nothing wrong with it. A share buyback is simply the opposite of dilution. And in the case of AutoZone, this is a company that uses share buybacks to the benefit of both their executives and their shareholders. AutoZone is a company that has a $44 billion market cap, but they generate a substantial amount of free cash flow. In 2017, they had $1 billion of free cash flow, and they tripled that to $2.9 billion in 2021. So this is a highly free cash flow generative company. Now, what do they do with all of this extra cash? With the extra cash outside of growing their business, they buy back their own stock, and they do it on schedule every single quarter with complete consistency. You can see the shares outstanding going down over time. It's gone down roughly 30% 
since 2017. So they have bought back a third of their company in five years. That is pretty substantial. Those share buybacks increase your equity stake as an owner, making it so that on an earnings per share basis, the earnings consistently go up and AutoZone investors have clearly benefited from this. The stock is up 216% over the past five years. One thing that I'll mention about this company is the big bear case is that EVs are coming. EVs are going to saturate the market and they don't require as much maintenance and care as ICE vehicles. While that's true, by most estimates, EVs aren't supposed to saturate the market for at least seven years. Seven years is when you actually get to a level of saturation that could threaten AutoZone. But you also have to keep in mind that AutoZone doesn't really deal with new vehicles. They deal with older vehicles, ones that are older than seven years old. So if you actually factor in the saturation of EVs and the lifespan of where AutoZone deals with their cars... We're about 15 years out until AutoZone should be threatened by EVs. And in the meantime, this threat of EVs always around the corner has kept the price of AutoZone pretty low. So the company is almost perpetually undervalued, and that makes it so that their continual share buybacks are highly attractive for investors. So I highlight AutoZone as one of the best examples of a cannibal. The company is devouring their share count over time, the free cash flow is going up, the earnings per share are going up, and the stock price remains artificially low based on concerns that are 10 to 15 years out. Now next up we have the cloner. This one's pretty simple. In investing, you don't really get points for originality. You don't get points for coming up with a unique idea. What you get points for are making good investments. And in some cases, it might just be easiest to copy the best investors. You can go to Datarama and look at a list of top investors and what they're investing in. For example, if we look at the aggregated buys of these super investors, we can see that the top buy right now is Amazon, then we have Facebook, then we have MasterCard and Visa and Alibaba and so on and so forth. We have a lot of great companies here that you can do research on. And the fact that these investors are going into these companies at least can make it so you can start researching these companies. You could also just look at specific investors and copy what they're doing. For example, we can look at Warren Buffett and see what their top stocks are and what they're buying. They own a lot of Apple and a lot of Bank of America. Or we could go to someone like Terry Smith. He's a great value investor that invests in a lot of high quality companies. He owns Microsoft IDEXX Laboratories. He owns Estee Lauder at 6.4% of his portfolio. He's pretty heavy into PayPal. He recently reduced his stake in Intuit and so on and so forth. The cloner is by far the easiest form of investing. Basically looking at what other good investors are doing doing some fundamental research based off of that, and making your picks within the basket of other great investors' picks. In my opinion, there's no shame in copying people that are great at investing. But just be careful with this one, because whether you're Warren Buffett, Bill Ackman, Terry Smith, Charlie Munger, you're gonna have some misses. These investors are great, but they're not perfect. Now, after the cloner, we have the spawner. This is a term that Manish Pabrai came up with. This describes a company that is really good at spawning off different businesses outside of its main product. And by far the best example Examples of spawners are big tech. You can look at Apple as an example. This was a company that used to be just an iPhone company. Is Apple really looked at as just an iPhone company anymore? I don't think so. They have Apple TV, they have Apple Music, they have their whole iCloud business, they have the MacBook, the iPad, the Apple Watch, the AirPod, and so on and so forth. Apple has spawned off numerous other businesses throughout its life, and although the iPhone remains a huge part of their overall revenue, in terms of actual profits for the company, it's making up a smaller and smaller portion. The services category of Apple is making up a growing portion of their profits. We also have the example of Microsoft, which used to be just an office suite of products, but now they have cloud hosting, they have Microsoft 
Microsoft Azure, which is their main business, and they have a whole gaming portion. This company is okay at spawning new businesses. But you could also mention companies not in this portfolio, which are Google and Amazon. Both of them are spawning tons of new businesses. And in my opinion, spawners are typically underrated because they're not reflected in the balance sheet or the earnings of the company. If a company can spawn off entirely new business segments, that's something to keep track of. Now, last up, we have the zombie company. These are ones that I typically try to avoid. But typically when I'm looking at a zombie company, I'm looking for a company that can barely keep running based off of its fundamentals. We have the example of Sunrun. This is a great brand. It's a solar panel company, and they recently acquired Vivint for $3 billion. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the numbers of this company. We have a profit margin of minus 5%, operating margins of minus 42%. So we're off to a good start when looking at a zombie company. The company's growing its revenues, which zombie companies frequently do, but they also have something else in common. They don't generate a lot of cash. And in the case of Sunrun, it has consistent and growing negative free cash flow. That's right, the free cash flow is going down over time. Last quarter, it was minus $278 million. So almost every single quarter, this company operates at a loss, losing money to capital expenditures, to paying employees, to paying for solar panels, and so on and so forth. It is a money-losing business. Now, how does this company continue to run? when it's a money losing business? Well, it's like the undead. It continues to walk even though it's not really alive. And the way that it does that is through lots and lots of debt. This company has raised a tremendous amount of debt over the years, going from $1 billion back in 2017 to now $6.5 billion in debt. The company's entire market cap is smaller than the amount of debt they currently have. Now, while they have a good amount of debt, their cash on hand is only $600 million. So it's a fraction of the amount of debt they have. And not only do they raise a lot of cash and debt, but they also do it with share dilution. You can see the company nearly doubling their shares outstanding for the acquisition of Vivint, but even beyond that, the company continually dilutes their shareholders by issuing more and more shares every single quarter. To me, Sunrun fits the definition of a zombie company. It's a company that's only alive because of debt and issuing new shares. That is the only reason that they can currently stay in business. Without having debt issuance, without having more shares outstanding, this company would be absolutely swamped because they cannot support themselves through their own cash flows. Now that doesn't mean that Sunrun will always be a zombie company. It could transition into a profitable company, but right now I think it fits firmly in that basket. So personally for me, I try to avoid zombie companies. I just think that they're more risky overall. And I tend to prefer investing in spawners, companies that are cannibals devouring their own share count, that also tend to pay a dividend. And I do like companies that other great investors tend to hold in their portfolios as well. So those are typically the ones that I end up investing into. Now, moving on, we have to talk about Domino's and Dave Portnoy's review taste testing this pizza. Because after all, Domino's is one of the bigger holdings in my portfolio. So I want to know whether I should be buying it or selling it. So let's go ahead and look at his review of Domino's pizza in this super windy video. Bump right, everyone knows the rules Domino's. In St. Martin, the friendly Shockingly, this may be the best Domino's I've ever had. There's a little food truck here. I'm gonna go up to a 6-8. Really good, really good.
He just gave Domino's a 6.8. He called it really good. Shockingly good. So all the people saying Domino's is bad pizza, it's gross pizza, you better take it up with Dave Portnoy because he just gave it a very good rating, which is 6.8. He does not give out that many ratings that high, especially from a pizza chain like Domino's. So I think that safely puts an end to that debate. Anyways, that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed. I'll have more content out next week. And if you want to join an investing community and discuss different stocks and analysis and different discussions, as well as having exclusive content, you can check out the Patreon. It also gives you access to Qualtrum Insights, which is the stock information tool that we looked at today. Now, having said that, that's all for this episode. I'll see you in the next one.